All right, now take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 14. I have told you, and I hope you're remembering, in the entirety of the chapter, chapter 14, there are six what I call great assurances from our Lord. Great assurances, and I hope you will personalize them, memorize them, remember them. In those first three verses that I preached on just a few weeks ago, it was a very personal and difficult time for me to preach about because it's a passage that is personal because of my daughter's death, but it was a passage that assures us that we can go to heaven, verses 1 through 3 of chapter 14. And then verses 7 through 11, we saw that we can know the Father right now. We can know the Father. And then the third great assurance was found in verses 12 through 15. Last week, you have the privilege of prayer. Remember, I challenged all of us to become prayer warriors, particularly men, particularly father men, to be prayer warriors. Today, we'll talk about the fourth of those great assurances, and that is you can have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. As our video said earlier, He is God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All a part of the Godhead, the Trinity. Orthodox Christians throughout the centuries have affirmed that truth. Today we talk about God the Holy Spirit. And then we've got two more in the next coming weeks. But I want you to be aware we're on number four of the fourth of the great assurances. Now today I want to begin with what I hope is not uh, a pedantic illustration. You with me on that? Didn't think so. I hope it's not too pedantic means overly concerned with scholarly minutia. I try, I'll try not to get too far bogged down. But it's out of history and I just love history. And my friend Jim Tankersley, welcome Jim and Kathy, he, he said, oh, that was that fortification that ran between Germany and France. Ding, 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 you're right, Dr. Tankersley. The Maginot Line, I want to talk about it just for a moment. The Maginot Line, well, in the 1920s, and no one was here then in this group, I don't think. Some of you look like you might have been, but I don't think you were. So in the 1920s, France was very concerned that what happened in World War I might happen in World War II. They had been totally decimated by the Germans in World War I. And so in the 20s, they began discussing how might we keep this from happening again because across the border in Germany, there were a lot of rumblings about rearm rearming the place. and They were building a bigger navy. Their army was being trained. And so they saw the militaristic kind of rumblings from Germany. They thought, oh no, could it happen again? And so a couple of men, one who was a general whose name was Marshal Pitan, you don't need to know that name, he went to his friend who was the Secretary of War whose name was André Maginot. Maginot. That's how you pronounce it. It's French. So he goes to his friend André Maginot who was the Secretary of War. He said, we have got to do something to protect our eastern border. 
And so they developed some documents and they uh, developed and be- actually constructed what became one of the most expensive military defense projects ever in history. They built the Maginot Line throughout the entirety of eastern France. Oh, by the way, most of it's still there to this day. Oh, and by the way, not a shot was ever fired from it. So they built this series of 50 fortifications along the eastern border. They had underground tunnels so that they could rush troops. If the Germans hit here, they could rush troops there through these underground tunnels that had railway. It was an amazing technological advancement. Here's a little detail that you don't even need to remember. It was actually pressurized from the inside so that if the Germans used poison gas again, the inner pressurized air would force the, uh, the, force the gas back out. It was a technological marvel. It almost bankrupted the French. They spent so much money on it. They built the fortification all the way from the Swiss border all the way to the, go- the border of Belgium with the exception of one place, and that was right at what was called, what is still to this day, the Ardennes Forest. Because Pitan and Maginot both agreed the forest was impenetrable. You could not get armored troops through that forest. They did not build the Maginot Line in its totality along the Belgian border, But when Germany declared war on Belgium, they quickly tried to put up some kind of uh, fortifications even along the Belgian border. Well, Germany began its war-like maneuvers. And so they began attacking in the east. As you remember who they attacked first, they took over. They annexed Austria, Czechoslovakia. They invaded Poland. And then they set their sights on the west. Well, the French generals and French secretary of war just said, they're not going to bother us. They, we have got the greatest fortification that has ever been built. They cannot get through the Maginot Line. Well, in May of 1940, okay, May of 1940, Germany began attacking France. Guess where they went through? The Ardennes Forest. In fact, one writer said they went through as easily as one cuts butter with a hot knife. And one month later, German officers were sipping Parisian coffee in the Bistros de Paris, the restaurants of Paris. For military historians, the Maginot Line has become known as a symbol of strategic stupidity. The Maginot Line is used to describe a useless kind of defense. Remember what I said earlier? Not one single shot was ever fired from the Maginot Line. All the millions and millions of dollars, which would today be billions, were useless. As the Germans cut right through that forest, went straight into France, took over the entire country very easily. Captured, by the way, almost the entirety of the French army as they had thought the Germans would come through Belgium and went up there and captured almost the entirety of the French army. Why do I mention all that? Why do I risk going into details that you really didn't want to hear? Well, because it's just the way I am. 
But the Maginot Line serves as an arcane reminder of France's defeat in World War II. But I think it can be applied spiritually. Now hold on. Buckle your seatbelts. I believe it's my contention that we too as Christians and as churches and as denominations have built our own Maginot Lines. We sense the reality of spiritual warfare. Now listen to me. Are you listening? We sense the reality of spiritual warfare. So we have tried to do some things. So what do we do? Well, as denominations, we have built great institutions, great agencies. We have built wonderful programs. As churches, we built magnificent churches and we make them look real nice. Big deal. You hear me? It's not a big deal. We do all these things, and yet we continue to be defeated spiritually. Even with that assiduous inculcation, there's another word, big words, with that continuing insistence of false thinking, we have come up with churches that instead of conforming the culture, we are conformed by the culture. And even as individuals, we try to develop our own Maginot lines. What do we do? Well, we set up a kind of a checklist for ourselves, and we think, well, we know Satan is real, we know he's attacking us, and we know he's trying to get us to be like him. And so we set up our own little individual check boxes. We say things like this, well, I think I'm doing right sometime. I mean, I go to church sometime. I read the Bible sometime. I pray sometime. I try to be nice sometime. And we think, well, aren't I doing everything I should do? Isn't this really what I need to do? I believe Satan just laughs at us and says, you've built a lot of Maginot lines. But they will not keep me out. They will not stop me from doing what I want to do. Oh, they're nice things to do. They're helpful. But we ignore that which the Bible says we really need for victory. Now, if you think I'm being hard on you today, get over it. It's just the way it is. I want you to read what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. Here's the bottom line. If we understand who the Holy Spirit is and what He does and allow that to happen in our own lives, we will experience victory. We will experience true victory. So look with me at just three precious verses. Matthew, Matthew John chapter 14, beginning with verse 16, 14, 16. Jesus is teaching his disciples in this upper room discourse. And he has said so much, and he's going to say so much more. And he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another what? What does your version say? Chance, counselor. Comforter, some say. Helper, some say. 
He will give you another counselor, helper, and yes, Jake, he'll give you another chance to be with you how long? Forever. Verse 17, he is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you, listen to me, believer, you do know him. You do know him because he remains with you. Or some versions say, abide, stay. He remains with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. So Jesus has a great deal to say about this Holy Spirit, this seeming ethereal, subjective force, which that, uh, that video was correct in saying he is not some uh, out there kind of cloud. He is the God, the Spirit. And we must understand who he is and what his ministry is. We cannot live the Christian life as we should without understanding who he is, what he does, and how he does what he does. It's the fourth of the assurances of John 14. So just two things this morning, two main points. First, hear what, hear what Jesus says about the names and second, we're going to see what does he do? What is his ministry? So first, here are the names Jesus uses here for the Holy Spirit. King James says the Holy Ghost. I still use that phrase, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Here are the names he uses, and here he uses two particular names. The first of those two is Comforter, is the version that I was using. Now again, I'm going to teach you a little Greek. He also calls him, we'll talk about in a moment, the spirit of truth, but he calls him the comforter, the encourager, the helper. It is a Greek word called parakletos, and you don't need to know Greek, except para, even we use it in English, because you've got a paraprofessional teaching at school. That's someone who teaches alongside the teacher. Para, alongside so a parakaleo is one who is called alongside. And the word is used in many ways. And the reason there's so many versions of it is because it is like, I was talking to some friends the other day, it's like that Hebrew word hesed. It is very difficult to translate into English because the meanings transcend human understanding. And that's always my challenge every Sunday is to share with you divine truths through human language. And I'm always going to fall short. Why? Because human language cannot adequately portray divine realities. And in this instance, this is a difficult word to translate into English. And so parakaleo, the paraclete. By the way, that, you, that word is used only by John in the Johannine Gospel. And it means to be called alongside. I've told you before, it was a word that was used in classical Greek to describe your paraclete in battle. Your paraclete in battle would be that person assigned to you that when the 
fighting got so close that it was hand-to-hand combat, that paraclete backed up to your back. His back was against your back because you can't defend your back when you're fighting. But the paraclete had your back. Isn't that good? So he is our paraclete. He is our defender. The Bible says he is our comforter. That's another way of describing it. That's another way of translating it. A comforter. We think of someone who soothes us or comforts us or is consoling to us. But true comfort strengthens us with the ability and the strength to live life bravely. It's someone who's called alongside, not working instead of us, not working in spite of us, but working in us and through us. Isn't that good? Somebody say amen about something. Amen. Friends, I'm telling you, this is a powerful text. So he is our comforter who gives us strength to live through life. He is our advocate. That was a word sometimes used. This word was used sometimes for a lawyer who stands with you in court. And let me tell you, if you're ever in court, you better have a good lawyer with you because they can help you not make a fool of yourself. And the Holy Spirit's our advocate, our attorney, our comforter. Isn't that wonderful? He is our encourager, it's sometimes translated. One who stands with us, who advocates for us, who helps us, who lets us know that we don't have to give up. So the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus says, I'm going to give him to you. I am fixing to leave, but he's going to stay with you. He is the comforter, the advocate. He is going to be the Holy Spirit in your heart. And then he calls him the spirit of truth. That's interesting. Because Jesus had already in this same book identified himself as the way, the truth, and the life. And now he identifies the Holy Spirit with truth. This is powerful. We know the Spirit of God was very active in many ways. The Spirit of God, uh, the Bible says, inspired the Word of God. That's why we hold the Bible to be so precious and so perfect because it was breathed in, in sparrow, breathed in by the holy inspiration, the Spirit of God. So he is the truth, the spirit of truth. He not only inspired the word, when you read the word in faith, it comes alive, doesn't it? Because of what? The Holy Spirit of God is in it, and it comes alive. So Jesus here explains that the spirit of God is the spirit of truth. And that's why, friends, the Holy Spirit will never lead you to do anything contrary to the written word of God. It's always going to be consistent. So if we want the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, we must seek to glorify Christ and to make much of the Word of God. The Spirit of God uses the Word of truth to guide us into a new way of living. And so I ask you carefully, is the Holy Spirit your comforter? your advocate? Is the Holy Spirit your paraclete? Is the Holy Spirit filling you full and showing you a different way to live? 
We will see it some other time in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, where the apostle said, Be filled with the Spirit of God. Oh, my friends, remember that to be filled with the Spirit is the same thing as being controlled by the Spirit, controlled by the Word of God. And I ask you, is He the Spirit of truth in your life? We build our Maginot lines. We check off our boxes. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit of God is the one who makes the difference. So see what Jesus calls Him. It's powerful. Now look at me. There's a second point. See what Jesus says about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. See what He says about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He says the world's unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. We understand that. But you do know him. Don't you? You do know him. Don't try to live a life of victory apart from the filling full in the presence of the Holy Ghost of God. You'll not make it. I'll not make it. And those times we have failed, it's because we were not living in the fullness of the Spirit of God. What does he say this ministry is now? He says, you do know it, verse 17, because he what? He remains with you. King James, I think, says abides with you. He stays with you. During Jesus' earthly ministry, Jesus had guided, guarded, taught his disciples. But he said, I'm about to leave you. I'm about to ascend unto the Father but I'm going to leave somebody with you. And he's not going to leave you ever. He's not going to leave you ever. He will stay with you. He will abide with you. He will remain with you. Now the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit was active even in the Old Testament. We see him, the Bible says, in many places. The Spirit brooded over the waters during creation. We see him active in Saul's life. And Saul experienced the Spirit of God. Remember in my favorite psalm, Psalm 51, David said, Oh, Father, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. But Jesus gives a promise to the New Testament believer. He's not going to leave you. And my friends, that's his ministry to us today. That instead of building up our very shallow and ineffectual Maginot lines, Jesus said, I'm going to give you a Holy Ghost that will stay with you in the good times and in the bad times. The world does not understand him. The world doesn't get him but I will not leave you alone. And he finishes it up in verse 18. I will not leave you, the Bible says, as orphans. I think King James and others say comfortless. He is saying, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will stay with you. I'm going to be with you. I have got you. And There are times, my friends, when life is hard And we need to hear the Lord say, I've got you. I've got you. I'm not going to let you go. I've got you, child. I've got you. So with God, the Holy Spirit at your side, 
with God the Holy Spirit filling us full and in our lives, how can we not be encouraged? How can we not be comforted? How can we not recognize that we have an advocate beside of us because of the awesome presence and power of the Holy Spirit of God? And I simply ask you this morning, do you sense His awesome presence? Oh, I pray so. Do you let him be, let him be the spirit of truth in your life saying go here, don't go here, do this, but don't do that. Oh, let us submit to the power of the spirit of truth and the presence of the comforter. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for its absolute power forgive us for those times dear father when we have built up these Maginot lines thinking that somehow it would be all we need by checking off our man-made boxes when you've told us today that there is a power available that gives us victory oh father may we submit even now to the power of the Holy Ghost to the power of the Holy Ghost. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a beautiful song. It's a powerful old gospel hymn, Have Thine Own Way. And as we sing, we invite you just to have a time of quiet for you to do business with God. Say, Lord, forgive me for how I've missed out on understanding the power that's available. And, oh, God, come into me in a powerful way. There are some of you here today I don't even know. We've got a lot of visitors with us today. You may not have a relationship with Christ. You may say, I've thought about it, I've heard about it, I've seen people who have it, but not me. Do you understand what it takes? Now, it's free, not cheap. You want to give your life away? All you've got to do is say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Take me. I repent of my sins and come into my life. Send your Holy Spirit to fill me full. And he'll do that. Would that be your prayer today? Let's stand. Let's sing. Have thine own way. Do it. Make any decision God leads you to make.